Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this talk from the Nashville Navigators. We hope that this talk encourages you to know Christ, to make Him known, and to help others do the same. This talk was recorded on March 8, 2023 at Vanderbilt University and was given by Sam Alberry. Sam is an apologist, a pastor, and an author of numerous books. He regularly speaks all over the world about how the Christian message of sexuality and the body is good news for all of us. In this talk in particular, Sam addresses what God has to say about our bodies, which has numerous implications for us and how we live in the world today. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, good evening. Thank you very much, uh, Dylan, for inviting me. It's uh, lovely to be with you. Thank you for coming along this evening. If, uh, if this place, this group, this ministry isn't your normal place to hang out on a Wednesday evening and you're here for the first time, a particular welcome to you. Uh, my understanding is these, these events happen week by week to, to, to help people engage with different aspects of the Christian faith, whether it's believers trying to deepen their own understanding or people who are still not sure where they are with the Christian faith wanting to find out more I hope whichever of those or other categories you you fall into, I hope you find it stimulating, thought-provoking, constructive, food for thought, and uh, all of that. So the the topic tonight is is the whole theme of our bodies. And uh, not long ago, one of my dearest friends was was heading off. uh, He was on vacation in in a really beautiful part of the world. And he texted me one day saying, I'm heading to the beach and I'm going to need your prayers. And at first you might have thought he was just kind of being a jerk and, you know, reminding everyone else of the fact that he's on vacation whilst everybody else was was having to go to work. But I knew my friend well enough to know that he was being serious. Uh, He was heading to the beach and I knew he really hated his body. And he was going to be feeling that there's a sort of an expectation that if, if you're at the beach and you're a guy, you're going to have to take your top off at some point. And he just hated the way he looked. And he told me in a a follow-up message when I was sort of asking him to share a bit more, he said that the two guys he was going to the beach with, in his words, could have have been male models, which wasn't helping the situation for him. And he was just feeling increasingly tense and anxious about the whole thing, hence he was asking uh, his friends for prayer. And I mention that because my friend is not alone. Uh, Many of us, most of us, perhaps all of us, in different ways, have a complicated relationship with our bodies. We have a complicated relationship with with how our bodies look. Um, I've been trying to think through this issue as a a kind of Christian for a number of years now, and I've I've been serving as a church pastor for the last 15 years or so, and I've lost count just of the number of men who've opened up to me about some sense of feeling like they don't look the way they're supposed to look as a man. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge issue, uh, irrespective of whether you're a guy or a girl, whether you're young or old, whatever your background is. This is an issue all of us are facing to some extent, and all the studies show us we're facing it more and more. And it, it got me thinking that when it comes to our bodies, someone is calling the shots. All of us are followers. We're all following someone's standard of what we're meant to look like. 
someone is, is kind of determining the standard by which we measure ourselves. That someone might be your peer group, it might be social media, it might be the movies, it might, might be the advertising, billboards uh, around you. But whoever it is, is giving us a sense of this is what you're meant to look like. And the more we're exposed to whatever that standard is, wherever it comes from, the more conscious we are of how we don't measure up to it. And it's not making us happier. So as I received my friend's message, I, I, I did what he asked me to. I, I prayed for him. Um, I empathised with him. Uh, I assured him he's, he's not on his own in, in feeling that way. I think there's, there's many of us who would feel similar to him in that regard. But it also got me thinking, what, what, is, what does the Christian faith have to offer in that kind of situation? Uh, one of my convictions as a Christian is that, is that Jesus Christ is good news for us. And, and part of that is he's, he's good news for every part of life. Uh, he's not just good news for our, our souls. He's not just good news for the kind of spiritual part of us. He's, he's good news for every aspect of life. Actually, one of the things I've really come to cherish as a Christian is there's no part of my life that, will I, that I will improve by keeping it from Jesus. I actually want to let him into every part of my life because I, I believe him to be good news for every part of life. So if that's my assumption, how is he good news for us when we think about our bodies? That's, that's what I want us to think through tonight. And I want to suggest there are, there are four insights, four claims that kind of biblical Christianity offers us as we think about our bodies. So I'll just run through these claims. I'd love to hear your thoughts as we have discussion and uh, questions and, and things afterwards. So here's the first thing. Uh, all of these are, are negatives. Our bodies are not accidental. That's sort of one of the, the big things, if you were to, to read through the Bible, one of the big things kind of biblical Christianity has to, to offer us, has to claim for us that our bodies are not accidental. In the Bible, God is not neutral when it comes to bodies. He's, he's an enthusiast, if I can put it that way. Um, he seems to enjoy creating human bodies. Uh, by now, he's created several billion of them, we would, we would believe as Christians. And there's, a, there's various parts of the Bible that, that kind of give some insight into to what that means. But one of the most famous places is in, in Psalm 139, where King David, who's writing this psalm, it's a prayer to God. And he, he says to God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a, a verse some of us may be familiar with if you are around Christian stores, it's the kind of thing you'll see on a poster. It's that kind of, of Bible verse that finds its way onto cushions and t-shirts and all kinds of things. Um, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, part of the, the belief of Christianity is God didn't just make us in a press the button and the machine started spitting out human bodies kind of way. God has made us in a very hands-on kind of way. Uh, David uses that imagery of, of saying, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Um, I've never... Someone's knitting right now. Are you knitting? That's so awesome. Do you know what? Virtually every time I ever use this verse, someone is knitting. I love that. Um, I've never knitted anything in my life, but it looks so cool to do that. And one of the things I love is 
when something is knitted, every single, this is right, every single stitch is done by hand, right? So a, a friend of mine, I've, uh, one of, one of the, the wonderful women I know in the States who's become one of my American mums, uh, she sent me some, some homemade socks for winter. She's like, it's going to be cold in the winter, I'm going to make you some socks. She knitted me a pair of socks. Um, and I love that because she's not just giving me some socks, that's useful, but I know that every tiny bit of what I'm looking at on that sock, she has made by hand. Um, it's, it's bespoke, is that the right word? Um, I had to look up the word artisan because artisanal is, you know, East Nashville, everything is artisanal, right? <laughs> and I didn't know what it meant other than experience suggests it means misshapen and overpriced. But... Um, <laughs> Artisanal cakes, artisanal bread. Anyway, um, I looked it up and it means it's been kind of, it's handcrafted, it's not machine made, it's kind of someone's actually made the thing and not just pressed a button somewhere. And that means God is an artisan. Each of us has been handcrafted. So we're created, but we're not mass produced. Um, Dylan mentioned I've, I've just got my visa, so I'm, I'm now kind of resident full-time in the States. I'm, I'm from the UK, which is probably apparent. Um, if you visit England, uh, here's a fun thing to do, and you'll need some wet weather options. Uh, one of the things you can do if it's raining is you can visit the Cadbury's Chocolate Factory, which is great fun because it's where they make chocolate, which is always worth checking out. Um, it's particularly worth doing, and I'll, I'll try and say this as as delicately as I can as someone who is uh, a visitor to your fine lands. Um, American chocolate? British chocolate, just, you just need to try English chocolate, okay, or European chocolate. Um, I mean no offence, but, but your chocolate is it's pretty bad. For those of us who've been raised on, on European chocolate. Uh, a couple of years ago, me and a friend of mine gave up chocolate for Lent. Um, I was visiting the States at the time. Um, there were these little, what are those little Hershey's? Is it Kisses? Hershey Kisses? Those little thingies were, were kind of on the table. I just nibbled one. And he said, you're not supposed to eat that. You've given up chocolate for Lent. I said, oh, it's Hershey's. It's fine. <laughs> Doesn't count. So anyway, you get to visit the Cadbury's Chocolate Factory, and they've got these machines that, that produce... Thousands and thousands of these amazing chocolate bars. And one of the great things you can do if you do the tour is you get to eat as much chocolate as you want. Because there's all the bits that kind of didn't fit in the machine or were kind of off cuts or didn't come out right or something. And you can just help yourself. If you've ever wondered how much chocolate you can eat in one day, this is the way to find out. <laughs> but that's not how God makes us. There's not just a big machine churning out billions and billions of, of people. Uh, we have been handcrafted, which means you are not an accident. Um, some of us know that we may not have been fully intended by our parents. I've got a number of friends for whom that's the case, and in some cases it's a kind of bit of family banter that they were sort of a surprise. In other cases, that's actually quite a, an area of of, of pain for people. But one of the things that, that the Bible claims for us is that whether or not we were expected or intended by our parents, no one is an accident to God. None of us is a surprise to him 
All of us are meant to be here. That, that's part of what biblical Christianity claims for us. Which means every single person you meet, that the Bible would say two things are true of. Every single person you meet, firstly, is amazing. Because the Bible shows us we're all made in God's image. That means there is something precious and amazing about you. And every single person you meet. No one can be written off. But the Bible also shows us an experience, bears this out. We're not just amazing, each one of us. We're also a bit of a mess. We're complicated. That is also true of us. But either way, we're not accidental. Your body is not an accident. Here's the second thing that the Bible, um, I would want to suggest, shows us. Your body's not accidental, and therefore your body's not incidental. It's not just that you have a body, you have this piece of of human flesh that you, you kind of lug around the planet with you. It's not just that you have a body, you are a body. Your, your body is you. So we, we tend to think today, particularly in the, in the kind of Western world, that the real me is, is kind of who I feel myself to be inside, and my body is simply just an arbitrary piece of flesh. It's got nothing to do with who I actually am. But actually, the, the Bible offers a different account for how we think about human beings. Because uh, when it comes to the creation of the first human being in the Bible in in Genesis 2, the creation of Adam, um, the way it's described is this. We're told in Genesis 2, verse uh, 7, that the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So it's interesting. In the Bible, God doesn't make a soul called Adam and then look for something physical to put Adam into. It's interesting, in, in Genesis 2, God forms Adam physically and then breathes life into him. So Adam is, is not just an embodied soul, he is animated flesh. And that would be the biblical claim for all of us. It's a different kind of anthropology to the one we typically hear. But I want to suggest it has, it has much to commend it. The Bible is showing us that we are created to be A body-soul unity. We're created to be a psychosomatic whole. And what that means is is two things. It means our our bodies aren't everything. And we sense that. We know there's, there's more to us than our flesh. We know there's more to other people than what we can just physically see of them. And the Bible very much affirms that. So there's a a famous passage in the Old Testament where uh, the prophet Samuel has been told... God has has chosen a new king for his people and rather than just telling Samuel who the king is so that Samuel can know and know who to put the crown on, um, there's this kind of reality TV show palaver that that Samuel has to go through where he's told, you've got to go and visit this guy called Jesse who lives in this way over at the other end of the country. You've got to go on this long journey, visit Jesse. One of his sons is going to be the king. So you've got to go there, meet his sons, and then I will let you know which one it is. So he goes there, Jesse gets his, his boys out, and one of them, the, the, the oldest one, just looks totally like who you would cast to play a king in a movie. Just The crown would look brilliant on him, just perfectly cast for it. So 
Sam was like, oh, it's got to be this guy, right? And, and God says, no, it's not him. And it turns out to be the son that no one would have expected. It's the guy they, they didn't even bring out. He was still out in the fields. They, they were so confident it wouldn't be him. And one of the things God says to Samuel to teach him why he's put him through all of this is God says the Lord does not look at things as man looks at them. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our bodies aren't everything. Our appearance isn't everything. And again, we know that. We know that if we just judge someone by what we see, we're, we're being very, very superficial. We know there's much more under the surface that we need to understand to truly get to know someone. Uh, the body isn't everything. But similarly, the, the Bible also shows us the body isn't nothing. Uh, we can't just disregard our bodies entirely when we come to trying to think through and understand who each of us is. Uh, so if you think about the, the, the Avatar movies, um, one of the kind of assumptions behind that franchise is that the body is little more than a costume. Because in that movie, you can, you can switch out, not just you can change your, your human body, you can exchange your human body for that of an entirely different species, and it doesn't really affect who you are because you are the person who you feel yourself to be inside. That's your real identity, and the body is just a costume. But the Bible would say that's not the case. Our, our body is not separable entirely from who we are. Uh, there are parts of the Bible where the Apostle Paul is writing to a, a group of Christians and he, he uses the words you and your body interchangeably. Not because the body is everything to who we are, but because the body's not separable from who we are. And again, there's a sense in which we know that. There's a sense in which we recognise that because if, if someone is caught having an affair, let's say... A, a, Someone is, is cheating on his wife and he gets caught out. Uh, it's a kind of a movie cliche. His excuse is, oh, it, it, it didn't mean anything. It was just a one-off thing. It was stupid. It didn't mean anything. It was just physical. And normally in that kind of scenario, the, the person who's been cheated on doesn't buy it. And the reason you don't buy it is because the fact that it was physical is why it means something. You can't just say, oh, my, my body slept with this other person. No, you did. What you do with your body, you are doing. And similarly, when, when someone mistreats us physically, they're not just mistreating our property. They're mistreating us. because we are our bodies. We're more than our bodies, but we're not other than our bodies. So our bodies are not accidental, our bodies are not incidental. Uh, thirdly, our, our bodies are not straightforward. This is the most provable point I'm making today. Our bodies are not straightforward. Uh, we know this in our experience. We can all think of the different ways in which our bodies can be difficult for us. Uh, just take one category, affliction, uh, ill health, that kind of thing. We, we know that our bodies sometimes don't work. Uh, we live in a world where, where people get sick. We live in a world where some people stay sick. We live in a world where some people experience chronic pain of one kind or another. 
We live in a world where people have to cope with all kinds of physical afflictions. So just uh, let's run a quick experiment. Um, what is it? It's Wednesday today. Hands up anyone who's taken any medication for anything so far this week. Okay, now this is interesting because you guys are in the prime of life, right? And that many of you are already needing some help with your physical health. Um, I'm in my, my mid-40s or my extremely late 30s, as I like to call them. Um, it gets worse, guys. It gets worse, okay? I was talking to a, I was talking to a group of, of retired folks at, at, at my old church once, and I, I kind of broached the subject of physical complaints and realized immediately it was a big mistake to have done so because... You start going around the room and who's got experience of, of physical in-health and you realise this is, this is a lunchtime meeting but I'm going to have to cancel dinner plans by the time this, this conversation has finished. There's, there's physical problems we have with our bodies. There are emotional problems we have with our bodies. There's the issue of shame. Uh, a bit like my friend heading towards the beach was feeling ashamed of his body. Uh, it is common to have issues with our body image. For some people, it might be one kind of part of their body, one aspect of their body they don't like. With some people, it, it's kind of the totality that they really just don't like. Sometimes people feel ashamed of their bodies because of what they've done with their bodies. Uh, there's that famous scene in Macbeth where Lady Macbeth has been complicit in the, in the murder of the king. And there's a scene in which she's She's sleepwalking, and in her sleep, she's trying to, to wash the blood off her hands, and she says, and I'm going to mess this up, and my high school English teacher somewhere is tut-tutting at this very moment, but she says, out, damn spot, out, will these hands ever be clean? And, you know, Shakespeare was, was years ahead of his time in, in, in recognising something about our psyche. Some of us feel a deep sense of shame because of things that we've done with our bodies. We feel ashamed of our bodies because of what we've done with them. Others of us will feel a deep sense of shame because of what has been done to our bodies. And for many of us, that is something that we carry with us physically. And of course, we will be very aware, and it may well be the case for some of us, that we can also experience the the not straightforwardness of our bodies by, by believing that our bodies don't fit who we are. That is such a real and painful experience uh, for so many people as well. So there are lots of ways in which we, we experience our bodies as being problematic, as being complicated. And we see that around us. It's one of the things actually that the Bible accounts for in what it says because in a, in a passage in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says that all of creation, in other words, the entire kind of physical realm, has been subjected to frustration. It just doesn't work properly anymore. It doesn't work as it's supposed to. And that creation that's been subjected to frustration includes our bodies. Our bodies are part of that physical creation. Our bodies experience that frustration too, and that's why we have issues with them. Which means, for, for those of us in the room who, are, who would say that we're Christians, we should be the most compassionate people in, in society. 
because the very issues and griefs and pains that we experience, that our friends experience, that the people in the world around us experience, those are things that the Bible helps us account for and to see as being real. So as Christians, we should be naturally compassionate whenever we encounter anyone who's in pain. Because theologically, we should be thinking, man, this is, this is exactly what the Bible says is the case. We live in a, in a world that isn't right, and that not-rightness extends to our bodies. We might not always agree with the, with the beliefs and the kind of ideologies of our friends who are, are struggling in one way or another, but irrespective of, of whether we all agree, the pain is very real. And as Christians, that pain warrants our care and our compassion. So our bodies are not straightforward. And then finally, our bodies are not helpless. I'm sorry, not hopeless. It'd be easy to think, particularly if we've experienced an unusual level of, of pain because of our bodies, it would be easy to think that our bodies, our bodies are simply just problematic. And maybe we just long to be rid of them. Uh, there are many belief systems in the world around, there were certainly many belief systems in the ancient world, where the body was seen as just a negative thing. It was, it was common in the ancient world to, to believe that the spirit was good and the flesh was this kind of horrible, yucky, degrading thing. And, and these different belief systems said that the goal of life is to escape the body and to be spiritually free. And... Jews in the ancient world and, and then Christians as well was, were kind of seen as being weird and dorky for having this idea that the body was good. And this belief that you, you might actually spend eternal life in some physical state was seen as just being gross and disgusting. But that is one of the unique features of, of what the, the Bible says. That our bodies are not only intrinsically good because God has made them, irrespective of, of the problems we have with them, but that God also has a plan for our bodies. And sometimes that's, that's news even for Christians. We can sometimes believe as Christians that actually, you know, I'll put my faith in Jesus, he'll forgive me my sins, and then one day my soul will go to be with Jesus in some kind of, of eternal bliss. Whereas the Bible says actually our, our eternal future is physical. Paul says in that, that same passage in Romans 8 that we, we await the redemption of our bodies. It's not just that our souls need to be made right, our, our bodies need to be fixed and made right as well. And one day, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, as we believe as Christians say too, as Dylan said, the creed says we believe in the resurrection not just of his body but of the body. And so we have physical hope. And one of the things that means for us as, as Christians is that the problems we have with our bodies are not ultimately going to be so solved by our own bodies. Um, in God's goodness, there are certain things that can be, can be helped and remedied in this life. We're, we're grateful for you know, medicine and all the rest of it. And, you know, anytime I, I have romantic notions about oh, what would it have been like to have lived in the you know, to have lived in the 14th century or the 18th century. Every time I, I'm tempted to imagine that, I remember healthcare. I think, okay, yeah, no, I'm glad to be alive right now. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in, in Nashville for a, a long period of time. I was, I was 
taken very, very sick and went to the, the medical centre here at Vanderbilt. And, you know, I, I will always be grateful to, to Vanderbilt for, for the medical centre. It was, it was amazing. But the, we can't fix what is ultimately wrong with our bodies ourselves. We might be able to do what we can to, to, to make our bodies the way we think they should be. But actually the real issue with our bodies is something we can't fix ourselves. Which is why for, for Christians, the hope for, for the Christian is not our own bodies. My hope is not, well, if I really do go to the gym enough and train enough, I can get my body exactly the way I want it and then I will finally feel good about life. No, the real hope for my body is the body of Jesus. Because at the heart of Christianity is the claim that it's actually in the death of Jesus, in Jesus allowing his body to be broken and crucified for us, that it's in his body being ultimately broken that we and our bodily brokenness can find hope and freedom. And so one of the verses in the New Testament says, God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. And part of what we believe as, as Christians is that all the, the forms of, of brokenness we can experience physically, Jesus went through ultimately for us. He went through ultimate affliction, ultimate shame, so that we might be one day physically made right in him. And one of the great things as a Christian, one of the things that means is if I come to Jesus and trust in him, it means my body is no longer identified by what I've done with it or by what others have done to it, but by what Jesus has done for it. And that, for me, has been profoundly liberating. So those are four insights I, I offer for your, for your reflection, uh, that our bodies are not accidental, they're not incidental, they're not straightforward, and they're not hopeless. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. I'm going to hand over to, to Dylan now, and he can lead us in the next part of this evening.